Welcome along to our Gin Tonica podcast, John Deeks and David Box. Why Gin Tonica podcasts? It's a chance for us to get to know the fantastic craft distillers out there and the amazing products they produce. So for the next few minutes, grab a gin, relax and enjoy. And today the Gin Tonica podcast microphone finds us at Tiny Bear, a boutique distillery started up by Damien and Manda Anderson. Damien, congratulations on what you've achieved so far. When did Tiny Bear commence? Opened mid-2018. And the voice you're hearing is Damien Anderson. Now, I can't see Amanda. Where is she today? Uh, she's probably teaching year 12 biology at the moment. Shouldn't you be teaching as well? Not anymore. Instead of teaching, I like to teach people about the good spirit gin. So this is a, a good time, David, to find out, in fact, exactly where we are. Where we are here is not the ordinary place for a distillery. You'll find a lot of distilleries in a city, you'll find them in the country, but we're really in the burbs here in Knoxfield in Melbourne. So we're hidden in Factory 7 of 10 Henderson Road in Knoxfield. We're hidden in a, in a factory complex where we've got a little tasting lawn at the front and then straight behind the tasting lawn you can see the production sides where we've got our three stills, we've got all our barrel ageing, our, our fermentation tanks and, and you can see everything when you come in and visit us. David, you must be very proud to know someone like Damien. Oh, very much so. Actually, Damien uh, came along after I started writing my book and persistence came forward and I'd actually stopped adding distilleries to my book because there were just too many open. One thing I've got to apologise for to start with, Damien, is in the book I referenced your products as Dr Gin, Gypsy Gin, instead of The Doctor and The Gypsy, which leads me on to the question, where did those names come from? Really good question. We kind of built flavours around certain things. So, for example, with the Doctor, we, we, we were building a medicinal gin. We wanted it to be full of uh, a lot of uh, botanicals that were used in ancient medicine. So, for example, your juniper berry has been used for a long time in uh, medicine throughout uh, Scandinavian region, as well as your cinnamon root, orris root, your angelica root, your dill tips, all the major ingredients in the Doctor gin were medicinal ingredients in a time past. When it comes to things like the gypsy, it's packed full of spices. It's, it's zealous, it's big, it's bold, it's in your face. The characters built the gin, if that makes sense. What would be the sailor? Sailor is, it is massive, it's full of uh, naval oranges. It's just big, it's strong, it's, it's everything the, you know, the Navy is supposed to be. What about the name of the distillery? Yeah, cool. There's two parts of the name. Tiny refers to the fact that we choose to do everything ourselves. Because we do that step, it means instead of making... So our current production, we, we make about 200 bottles of gin a week. If we did not do certain parts of the process, we would be making about 1,000 bottles a week with the same amount of time. So it really cuts down our, our productions. That's where the tiny comes from. It, it, it reflects that we do everything. Um, the bear comes from, from two parts. Kind of, kind of a nickname I got during the end of my teaching. I grew a massive beard, which kind of looked like grizzly Adams, um, as well as alcohol, the longer it sits or the longer it hibernates, the better it gets. So for me, there's, there's so many bear links to everything that we've done. Um, I looked like a bear, alcohol hibernates, it gets better. When we ferment it, 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 it goes away for a period of time and, and, and improves, and it's just everything that we kind of believe in. Is it just me, or being in this distillery as we are, the tiny bear, I'm actually getting a little bit heady. Yeah, there's a, 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 an incredible aroma here. Today, it's a different aroma than the last times over here because I can smell barley. With, with the downtime of being closed, we, we thought, let's let's add whiskey production to our to thing. It's something so we're not going to make hand sanitizer, we're going to make whiskey. Yeah, we're going to make whiskey. It's, it's, it's sanitizer for the soul rather than yeah. sanitizer for the hands. Um, right. 
we always wanted to make whiskey. We, we always want to be a gin distillery and a whiskey distillery. It's probably just taken us two years to get to slowly starting producing that whiskey. Who's the, who's the team member you got out the back? Uh, we've got Emma out the back. Hey, Emma. Where did you recruit Emma? Emma was an awesome find we found a couple of months ago. She's a wealth of knowledge in the whiskey world as well as in the gin world. She's been managing bars in the city in various places and it, it made sense for us to add her as our fourth member of our team. What's your background, Emma? Uh, yeah, well, I've been behind the bars for the last 15 years. Had a little stint in Scotland where I fell in love with whiskey and gin. It's been my dream for the last five years to actually start working in a distillery, so got my lucky chance a few months back. What's been the most interesting part of it? Uh, definitely the whiskey tastings. Oh. <laughs> it's part of the job, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great part of the job. And who else makes up the Tiny Bear team? In the last six months, we've grown our team to include two awesome young ladies from completely different backgrounds. As you said, you just spoke to Emma. Sal will be in soon. She's come from a, a biochemistry background as well, as well as owns a bar and a massive gin fanatic. And, and her botanical knowledge is, in, is incredible. So what she brings to the team is awesome as well. And, and, and then there's my wife, Amanda, who is the absolute backbone of keeping us going um, financially to begin with, but not so much anymore. Kind of the ideas of, oh, why don't you go and do this? How about we do that? Oh, I need this for an Instagram post. Can you change this for me, please? And coming in and kind of cracking the whip and going, you need to clean this floor and you need to fix that. And we need to make a gin for this. And I'm like, why? And she goes, because that's what I want to drink now. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's go and do that. Um, so the Gypsy was kind of in a way built for her to an extent. It's, it's full of ingredients she loves. It kind of reflects her personality in that she's big, she's bold. She's going to tell you what she wants. And I kind of built it for her. And she was the first person to drink it. And she goes, that's cool. What's that? They need each other, yeah. David. Well, we know who the boss is then. This is a, a question that I found very interesting when I was writing the book, and that was, do you remember the moment you decided that it was gin? Yeah, that's kind of, it was what I was drinking all the time. So it kind of made sense to go, well, instead of drinking everyone else's great projects, which, which we still do and we absolutely love it, was kind of like let's do it ourselves let's let's look into this how hard can it be and we made some horrible how hard was it really hard um we made some horrible gins um some gins that that we would be like wow no one would drink that it really was the mother's ruin the biggest light bulb for us was why are we trying to create gins that are like other gins when we kind of said to ourselves let's do flavors we like and then as soon as we did that we're like what we were creating was was what we are now now Damien, something very different about your distillery and your alcohol than just about anywhere else. Can you tell us where does the alcohol come from? Okay, so this kind of refers to back to the name. We're tiny because we choose to take a few extra steps that a lot of people don't. Um, and we make our base spirit. There's nothing wrong with buying it in. It's just, it's just not us. We make our spirit from kale, sugar, water and yeast because the basic principles of fermentation are yeast eats sugar and they convert that to ethanol. The healthier your yeast, the better the ethanol. So we said, well, what's more healthier than kale? We tried it, and it's, the yeast seemed to love it. They thrive on it. It creates really, really clean, high-proof alcohol, and it tastes good. Um, and that's, that's the number one reason why we do what we do is to, to make something that tastes good. And then if it tastes good, hopefully people will keep drinking it, and then hopefully we get to keep doing this dream every day. It's all about the ingredients, David. That's right. And um, I'll say it again, but you probably hear it every single day, but it's the only decent thing you do with kale. Yeah, we hear that actually a lot. You say it's made from kale and you get kale, that rubbish thing that we throw in the bin and that, that's super green. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, oh, you found a use for it. So, yeah. <laughs>
Um, the other day, actually, I, I enjoyed kale. I went to one of my favourite restaurants, uh, Wolf and Malone in Centre Road, and they were doing uh, Middle Eastern kale chip with Aleppo salt and a prune foam. That's a restaurant. We'll have to go there at some stage. Hey, let, we can do both. We can drink gin at the restaurant. <laughs> Absolutely. They love their gin there. Uh, another question for you in the, a little bit more of a serious mode. A lot of people do say that the alcohol base doesn't matter. They just like the alcohol. What would your take be on getting grain alcohol or, in your case, kale or other grape spirits? For me, it's all about the mouthfeel. It gives it a different body. It carries the ingredients through in a different way. Grain-based spirit has its niche. Uh, Grape-based spirit is probably better for your, your finer, delicate botanicals. And then the spirit we make is just different again. It's just a different mouthfeel. It carries the flavours through differently. That was a good, serious question, though. I, I do like it. Another Gin Geeks question for you, um, Damien. You see in a lot of distilleries, you see German stills from Holstein Muller, you see Nap Lua from Tasmania. You've got a different take here. There are a lot of great um, artisans creating awesome products in Victoria and there's not a lot of great still makers. Well, they're not known. Uh, so what we actually did is we sought out Ballarat Guy who makes stills and he actually built our first two stills, our custom column stills. The craftsmanship of what they do is awesome and we wanted to have Victoria reflected in our product. We, we believe in if you can get it local, do it local. I'd just like to read a testimonial here, Damien, uh, from Brett. He talks about Tiny Bear. My wife and I attended their Gin 101 class and enjoyed it very much. Damien and the team helped me understand the process of making gin. I highly recommend you visit this unique hidden gem. Uh, both the owners were amazing and were very welcoming. These Gin 101 classes that we run are three-hour sessions where we just talk about gin and, and in super small groups and, and make gin. And it's kind of my throwback to still teaching. Instead of teaching about maths and science and, you know, boiling points of certain things and whatnot, I get to talk about spirit for three hours and we get to make spirit. And it's, for us, it's, it's fun. Another question about your gins, uh, Damien. Uh, I notice, or people may notice by looking at your ingredients in your gin, that there's not much mention of Australian botanicals. Could you explain that one? Yeah, there are Australian botanicals in our gins, but on the three core ones that we started with, they weren't a focus. We wanted to use ingredients that were familiar to everyone. We also do have an experimental range, which focuses a lot on Australian gins. We released a while back a gin called Bear and Wills, which was our take on the Australian botanicals. We went exploring with um, Tasmanian pepperberries, lemon myrtle. We, we do use Australian botanicals. It's the fourth core gin that we haven't released yet will be an Australian-focused gin. We just want that to be perfect and we're not there yet with it. It is a focus, but it is not our only focus. Damien, good luck to you. More power to you and the folks at Tiny Bear as well. Oh, thanks, John. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. It was good fun. What's that website again? tinybear.com.au <sighs> Time for a break and another interesting gin fact right out of the box. Not many people know that uh, whereas James Squire was the father of Australian brewing, he came out in the first fleet. It wasn't until the third fleet that a guy called James Underwood came out and he was the one who was instrumental in starting off Australian gin. Welcome back to part two of our Gin Tonica podcast and this time we're just a kilometre from the centre of Melbourne. We're visiting Patient Wolf and chatting with the founders of Patient Wolf, Dave Irwin and Matt Argus. So Dave, tell the Gin Tonica podcast listeners how Patient Wolf came about. Yeah, so Patient Wolf, um, my business partner Matt Argus and I, we were working together, working at corporate gigs and decided that we wanted to do something else. So essentially we 
spent about four years researching. We both had huge interest in distilling. We were looking at what we could do in terms of distilling, and one of the things we were looking at was what other spirits we could go into, so whiskey, rum, but they all were going to take quite a bit of time to get there. So one of the things we were doing while we were doing this research was drinking gin and tonics. One of the things that I found interesting in researching uh, the book that I've written is how Patient Wolf came about. And there's quite a lot of gin culture associated with Prohibition era and the earliest, earlier 20th century. And Dave, you might expand on that. So there's a time straight after Prohibition when that edginess was in the market. Everybody is drinking really good booze and all these really cool underground bars. And there's this one lady synonymous with it. So her name was Lana Turner. So we love that edginess about her. So she was classy, sophisticated and had a bit of edge. So as we researched her more and more, we found she had this quote. The quote is, a gentleman is simply a patient wolf. But the guys at Patient Wolf did something, also something different. The still is not a straightforward still. It's a German-made still. It comes from a company called Mueller. They are one of the best still makers in the world. We knew we wanted to have a great product, and to do that, you need a good still. It is a column still, but it has a column which is different to most other columns. Most columns have a set of plates. Our still, on the other hand, has an internal copper spiral. So what that means is that the reflux that goes on, reflux where that is the vapour going to a water or to a liquid and then back to a, a vapour, it sort of does it on its own. So instead of being forced through these plates, it just refluxes by itself. So you've got somebody out the back there. Who's, uh, who's your minion? Uh, <laughs> so at the moment he's a minion. Uh, this is Matt Argus, so he's my business partner. So Father of the year. Father of the year. Hey, Matt! What are you doing out there, Matt? I'll just... Uh... Hang on, come, come over here, fellow. I think it's fantastic you can devote time to your family and be such an active partner here at the Patient Wolf Distillery. And what's brought you in today? Dave's been distilling this morning, so I've just been um, just uh, getting the heads out of the system. And now that we're into the hearts of the run, so this is when the beautiful flavours are coming through and, uh, and the good part of the alcohol. At the start, it's these beautiful kind of bright citrus flavours. The aniseed myrtle comes through. A lot of the hearty, kind of heavier botanicals like juniper start coming through, whereas at the end, it's more of the, the softer floral notes. So, yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing in the background. And as far as the botanicals that you tend to use, there's a little bit more classical than a lot of the contemporary gins in Australia. It's based on tradition with a bit of edge to it as well. So we have a lot of everything we do, especially our, our flagship gin, our Melbourne Dry, it is a London Dry with a bit of edge. So there's juniper and coriander seed and angelica root which is sort of your main most gins 99% of gins have those in there and then we've sort of added in some additional so ruby grapefruit which we vapor infuse and they have bitter sweet and sour flavors to them and give it this really beautiful nose and then we use tonka beans which come from Brazil and Venezuela and tonka beans have a marzipan sort of flavor to them they when they distill they have ryegrass and a little bit of caramel and they also give body to the gin so our Melbourne Dry has a really good mouthfeel and that's partly down to the Tonka and so it has this big yeah big mouthfeel. How did Matt and you Dave come to decide on what you wanted to distill? That was about two years so two years of using a little pot still so one a one litre pot still and trying probably about a hundred different botanicals that we tried so would make them single distillation and then would blend them and so over time we would develop our palate one of the key things we learnt in doing this though is that once you've tested five they all taste good so don't look at your results <laughs> It's one thing to make a gin on a stovetop, for example, but to make it work and scale it up to a 
to a large still is a, not just a science, it is an absolute art. The patient wolf guys, they started their journey in a behind a motorcycle shop in Brunswick. I was lucky enough to see this when, when I first started writing the book. The guys were sort of setting up everything and to see them now in this incredible destination now because in South Bank there's a bar here, there's everything. It, it, it really has come a long way and it's only been a couple of years. Um, are there any points, Dave, where you've found it particularly tough or memorable? So there's a, a few massive moments, I guess. So the first was a year and a half, Matt and I, had our full-time jobs so we were doing this on weekends and weeknights so it was yeah a lot of time I actually moved right next door to the distillery so I could come in and do things and contracting so I could sit there and at least take deliveries while I'm doing my other job and then yeah so going full-time on the business was huge and actually um, garnishing a wage for ourselves because I guess you know that's the dream of doing it and the first day of that so sat there going wow this is cool I'm just doing my job and then the next day going oh my god how do we do this how were we not working this full time it was just the amount of work just suddenly increased we do master classes where we stand in front of the still and do a bit of a presentation gin flights and cocktails and some of the some of the cocktails we have here are just stunning David Box has just gone over to uh, pick up three of them I'm looking at now. Rogue Barrel and... Blackthorn Gin. So I'll start off with the Summertime first. Um, summertime was made for Arbury Afloat, which is a new bar that was created on the Yarra River outside Flinders yeah. Station. And they approached us for a new gin, so we came up with Arbury Edition. And it also won the Hong Kong International Wine and Spirits Award. It's a huge award to win. And then we have Rogue Barrel. So Rogue Barrel is a collaboration with some good friends of ours from Wolf of the Willows who are a brewery. We originally made a beer with them, a Tom Collins Sour Beer, which won third at Gab's. So with that, we figured we could do some more stuff together. One of the things they had was a Brett Saison beer that they'd barrel-aged in a French oak Chardonnay barrel. We took that barrel after it had been kegged off and we put in summertime. The flavours of the beer were uh, tropical, so we figured the summertime would really complement them well. What actually happened wasn't quite on par with that. With a barrel-aged gin, so for me, conceptually, if it's a gin, it has to have the juniper flavours. So barrel-aging is an interesting concept for me. I made sure that the juniper stayed in there. So the flavours that came out were sort of candied orange and this velvet crumble as well. There's one here in the, the range, Blackthorn Gin. Now, that's a different name for a type of gin that other people might know by a different name. It's a version of a slow gin. Um, the reason why we call it Blackthorn is we get our slowberries from Tasmania fresh. The berries that we get from Tassie, they were imported or the bushes were imported by the Scottish and the Scottish call slow bushes Blackthorn bushes. So it's a bit of a shout back to them. Is that an accent, Dave? My accent. <laughs> I'm from a small town in New Zealand. One of the cocktails we actually have on the list here in the, uh, in the distillery is called the Olive Grove Martini and it uses my parents' award-winning uh, olive oil with our award-winning summertime gin. Clearly, Dave, you, you've spoken about your favourite cocktail. Are there others that, um, that you enjoy? Yeah, so I guess one of the all-time favourites is the Negroni. This is one of the, th one of the drinks that we really were working our gin around to, to make sure it works in a Negroni. Um, just that, that bitterness that kind of mellows over time as more dilution comes in. And it's pretty much one that I can almost make myself, almost. Who are the kind of people who'd come along to a bar like this? A lot of locals, a lot of people who work around here, there are a lot of accounting and design firms, a good array of different different people coming in. 
Who's this coming in? So this is Kip. This is our head barman, and he's also part-time distiller too. Come on in, Kip. Kip and I are working on something pretty special at the minute. Tell me, what's uh, what's some of these secret new things that are coming up? Oh, I can't tell you any of the secrets, unfortunately. How, how can we know about it, mate? I can tell you that we've got some cool things coming up. I'm definitely going to have some, some new interesting spirits to play with. What about your favourite gin cocktails that you love to make? What inspires you? Oh, it's definitely the Negroni, always. I do have a uh, Australian ingredient, yeah, Negroni, that I make myself. And do you use Maidenai here? I do use the Maidenai, Maidenai Sweet Vermouth, and then the Adelaide Hills Orange Bitter. Dave Irwin and Matt Argus are the people who are behind this wonderful place. I suggest you get onto the Patient Wolf uh, Distilling Co. website. PatientWolfGin.com. There's also, you can just come in and have a chat. Come down. If you're in the middle of the city, it's a sensational place to go. Come to Market Street, South Bank, and just do go on the website because that's the place to, to know more about Patient Wolf. Yeah, thank you. We're immensely proud of what we've achieved, but just really excited about what's going to happen in the future as well. Please give that website one more go. So patientwolfgin.com. Thanks for giving up your time today, mate. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And join us next time for the Gintonica podcast where we take you to some unique boutique gin distillers from around Australia. And until next time, cheers.